This is a Capricorn FM podcast. This grade 12 lesson is proudly brought to you by the Department of Education in partnership with Capricorn FM. Working together, we can do more, providing quality education. Uh, good evening, my lovely students. We are meeting today again. Uh, today we are presenting evolution, like we are presented as said. And then this chapter, it is 66 marks. I want you to focus because it's about 66 marks. And then during trial examination, it was, it was uh, set at almost 38 marks. The main reason was that uh, human evolution was not set. That's why they exchanged marks, because with regard to, to genetics, during trial examination, it was, it was 68 marks. But now, genetics is going to be 45 marks, but evolution is 66 marks. So you need to be focused. Maybe if I continue with this chapter again, let me also guide you with regard to this because there are many learners who are not performing with regard to this chapter. Why? Because uh, sometimes they they say evolution is against Christianity. So many learners who are Christians, sometimes when they check everything that has been outlined, they realize no, uh, this is not correct. And then they end up having negative attitude. So I want you to study this or to approach this chapter as a scientist, not as a Christian or whatever, you need to focus your attention as a scientist uh, so that you end up getting almost all the marks. It's like when I say I'm the principal of Texas High School, and then which is not correct. And then obviously, if maybe your educator says, the English educator says, uh, change this into reported speech. Although you know that I'm not the principal of Texas, you are not going to say, Mr. Major, just not the principal of Texas. You are just going to report what I said. Whether I'm telling the truth or not, you just report what I said. You are going to say, Mr. Major says he is the principal of Texila High School. This is what is going to happen here. Because most of the things that have been outlined here, when you check, you may realize that it's like not, it is not true, but it's not according to you. It's according to these guys. So I wanted to guide you with regard to this because many learners are not performing because of those reasons. Now, evolution, which is based on change, which is change, diversity, and continuity. Uh, evolution is about two main subtopics. The first one is natural selection. The second one is human evolution. With human evolution, although I'm still going to discuss it in future, they are saying all of us who originated from from same ancestor with chimpanzee, gorilla, and orangutans, and so on and so on. That's why I said many learners uh, normally tend to refuse this, and then they end up not getting results. It's not according to you, it's according to them. Now, with natural selection, I'll, I'll talk much about human evolution next time when I'll be presenting the next chapter, the, the next lesson. It is, it will, it is going to be on the 6th of November, 2020, so you need to note it down. But, but now, like I indicated, we are going to discuss natural selection. Many learners, when you talk about natural selection, they think we are talking about natural selection based on child Darwin only. It is natural selection as a full package. It includes the following. Number one, we're going to discuss evidence for evolution. Number two, we're going to discuss sources of variation. Number three, we're going to discuss Lamarckism. Lamarckism is the theory of uh, evolution according to Lamarck. And then the other one is Darwinism. That is the theory of evolution according to Charles Darwin. We also have what we call artificial selection. And then the difference between natural and artificial selection. And then we also have speciation. And then in this case, we are going to discuss what we call the allopatric speciation because St. Patrick has been phased out. It's no longer in the syllabus. 
And then the other one is about mechanism of reproductive isolation. And the last one is evolution in present times. So this is a full package of about natural selection. Next time when we'll be discussing uh, human evolution, we are going to check characteristics that we share with other primates, characteristics that make us different from other primates, and so on and so on. Even the out-of-Africa hypothesis, we'll be discussing those. But now I want you to get this straight. The theory of evolution, number one, it says, all things we see today arose from things that had existed in the past, but they look different because of change that happened or that occurred over a long period of time. All things we see today arose from things that existed in the past, but they look different because of change that occurred over a long period of time. So I want you to underline the following. If maybe I'm going to give an example of giraffes, it would mean that, according to these guys, they're saying all the giraffes that we see today, remember the giraffes that we see today are very tall, they say they arose from giraffes that existed in the past. The giraffes in the past, according to them, they were very short. But they look different. Why different? Because the other ones are tall, the other ones are short. Why do they look different? It is because of change. I want you to get it straight. It is because of change. And then this change, the, there are four guys that are regarded as the early theorists of evolution that are trying to explain almost everything based on this change now. But uh, those guys are committed to Buffon. Erasmus Darwin, Charles Darwin, and also Jean Baptiste de Lamarck. But our attention, according to your syllabus, our focus is going to be based on uh, natural selection by Charles Darwin and also Jean Baptiste de Lamarck. So let me start with Darwinism or Darwin or the theory of evolution according to Charles Darwin. According to Charles Darwin, when he explains the whole process, he is saying, Organism produce a large number of spring. There's a great deal of variation among this offspring. And then some have desirable characteristics. In other words, they are better adapted to environment, whereas some do not. I want you to get this straight because when you are requested to explain natural selection, it's very simple. The first statement that you are going to write, you are going to ask your question based on the very same statement. Then the answer that you are going to get, you write it down. You ask yourself, a question based on the second statement, and then you, the answer that we're going to get, you write is at, as number three, and so on and so on. It's very, very interesting. So you don't have to cram this. Let me guide you on how to write this. They are saying organisms produce large number of offspring. Then ask yourself a question: What is going to happen with regard to this offspring? Are they the same or do they differ? Then from there, the second statement is going to be: There is a great deal of variation among this offspring. So if we are talking about these giraffes as example, it's like He's saying organisms produce number of offspring. In this case, we're talking about giraffes. There's a great deal of variation among these giraffes. Some have desirable characteristics. In other words, they are better adapted to environment, whereas some do not. In other words, they are less adapted to environment. When there's a change in the environmental conditions or when there's competition, e.g. maybe for, for food, organisms that are better adapted to environment or that are more suited to the environment, they survive, whilst organisms that are less adapted to the environment or less suited, they end up dying. And then you are going to say this is called natural selection. So now, obviously, organisms that survive pass their characteristics to the next generation, to their offspring. The next generation will therefore have a higher proportion of individuals. 
with desirable characteristics. So in other words, if I give I set example of the the giraffes, he's going to say uh, in the past there were tall giraffes and short giraffes. In fact, according to them, they said the lower parts of the plants got finished and only the higher parts of the plant were, were available. So the short giraffes died because they were not uh, able to feed on the higher parts of the plants. Uh, that is, they were less suited to the environment. But the tall giraffes were better adapted. Why were they better adapted? Because they were able to feed on the higher parts of the plants. So now, as a result, they survived. Which giraffes survived? The tall giraffes that are the ones that survived. Why? Because they were able to feed on the upper parts of the plant, like I've already indicated. Now, these tall giraffes that have survived, they pass their characteristics to the next generation. That's why the giraffes that we see today, the tall giraffes, although they are different from the giraffes that existed in the past, the main reason is due to change. And then when uh, Charles Darwin explained this change, he's saying it is it was brought forth by what we call natural selection. In other words, nature has selected those giraffes that were better adapted to environment uh, to, to survive over those that were less adapted to environment. So now, what is interesting is that the two guys, they don't even agree with each other. Lamarck, who, who is called Jean-Baptiste Lamarck, he came up with a different law now. He does not... Uh, deal with uh, natural selection. He came up with a different law. In fact, he used two laws. The first law is law of use and disuse. Then the second law is law of inheritance of modified characteristics. Law of use and disuse. And then law of uh, inheritance of modified characteristics. Although in some books they talk of law of uh, inheritance of acquired characteristics. So I want you to, to listen carefully on how this guy explained his theory. I'm also going to also cite an example of the giraffe so that at least you are able to see the difference between the two guys. So according to law of use and disuse, I'm also going to fragment it into two. That is the first one, law of use. Uh, it says the part that is frequently used becomes bigger stronger and works better it is law of, of use but under this law again law of disuse says the part that is not frequently used becomes smaller and ultimately disappears now the second law which is law of inheritance of modified characteristics or law of acquired characteristics according to this law characters that have been modified or acquired are passed on to the offspring and this also means that the modification brought about by frequency of use or disuse were able to be transmitted to their offspring. So I'm going to give an example so that we understand exactly what, what we mean here. So if we set example of giraffes like I already indicated, in the past all giraffes were very short according to, to this guy Lamarck. Then remember it's different from, uh, or his theory is different from what uh, Charles Darwin has said because Charles Darwin says, in the past, we had short giraffes and tall giraffes. So tall giraffes were the ones that survived, and then they mated up until they produced giraffes that were very tall. That's why he's saying all the giraffes that we see today, the tall giraffes, arose from giraffes that existed in the past. But now, with regard to Charles Darwin, I mean, uh, Jean-Baptiste Lamarck, he's saying all giraffes were very short, all of them, according to him. 
Now, uh, you also agree with, to a certain extent, he agrees with uh, Charles Darwin that uh, the lower parts of the plants got finished. But according to him, he said, now, these giraffes now, because they were very short, they had to stretch their legs and necks on daily basis. They had to stretch their legs and necks on daily basis. And then uh, if we coin the law of use that has been outlined by this guy, he's saying, because the giraffes were stretching legs and necks on daily basis, remember it's law of use, which we said, the part that's frequently used becomes bigger, stronger, and works better. Now, in this case, because the giraffes were stretching their legs and necks on daily basis, ultimately, these legs became long, and then uh, also the neck became long. Now, uh, if we're talking about two types, two types of giraffes now, the male and the female, now the two giraffes, remember, when we talk about long legs and long neck, these are the acquired characteristics or the modified characteristics. Why do we say they are acquired characteristics? They are acquired characteristics. Why? Because uh, this, this long legs and long necks have been acquired through exercising, which is through what we call law of use. Now, he's saying the very same tall giraffes now, male and female, because of stretching their legs and necks on a daily basis, they mate and also they pass their characteristics to the next generation or to their offspring. So in other words, the giraffe that we see today were as a result of the giraffe that stretch their legs and necks on a daily basis so that they end up being tall in order to feed on the higher parts of the plant. Now that's why he's saying the giraffe that we see today arose from the giraffes that existed in the past, but they look different because of change that occurred over a long period of time. He's explaining this through what we call law of use. But with law of disuse, he also explains something in relation with the snakes. He was giving an example of the snakes. He said the snakes that we see today, if I can use that example like snakes, it's going to say the snakes that we see today, remember the snakes that we see today are without legs, originated from the snakes that or arose from the snakes that existed in the past with legs, but they look different. Why do they look different? Others had legs, others do not have legs. They look different. Why? Because of change. So he is explaining this change through what we call law of use and disuse. Remember I said the part that is not frequently used becomes smaller and ultimately disappears. So according to him he's saying in the past snakes had legs but because they did not use those legs they started to be smaller, smaller and ultimately they disappeared. So now the snakes that uh, the two snakes for argument's sake maybe I'm talking about male and female and then those snakes did not use their legs, and then ultimately those legs disappeared. Then now the two snakes that are going to mate now, they are going to produce a snake without legs. So in other words, the snakes that we see today, or that characteristics has been inherited from the parent to the offspring. So this is how they are trying to explain this. But now when the modern theorists or the scientists of today when they check the or biologists of today, when they compare the two, they ended up at least agreeing with uh, Charles Darwin. In fact, they rejected Lamarck's idea. When they rejected Lamarck's idea, they said uh, the argument was based on two ideas. Number one, they said acquired characteristics cannot be inherited. Acquired characteristics cannot be inherited. 
And then you know, there is very little evidence to, to support the, this idea that changes brought about by adaptation to the environment are inherited by offspring from their parents. So the other one is organisms evolve because of change that happens randomly. It is not because organisms wanted to evolve. So let me give an example of the first one that I've just outlined to say acquired characteristics cannot be inherited. Uh, I was uh, watching the video of uh, Dr. Tiazek. He was saying, he was giving an example to say, if Arnold Schwarzenegger, because he has acquired the muscles through exercising, and when you check his son, you realize that he's very tiny. He's saying, if maybe his law was correct, Arnold Schwarzenegger, because he's exercised and end up uh, having muscles, and then ultimately, uh, if maybe this law was correct, meaning that when he gives birth to his offspring or his son, the very same son is supposed to have muscles. So, but because it's not like that, obviously, that's why they are rejecting this idea to say, no, no. In other words, your law of inheritance of modified characteristics doesn't even function because acquired characteristics cannot be inherited. It's like language. If maybe I'm vendor by birth and then maybe I'm placed in a place where people speak uh, uh, I cannot acquire that language I mean that, that language the, the Spady language if maybe like I indicated I've been exposed to people who speak Spady but I'm vendor by birth obviously I'm going to acquire that language the Spady language it is, does not mean that I'm just going to inherit that particular language from my parents the vendor language from the parents it doesn't work like that so now we are done with the theory of evolution according to Charles Darwin and Jean Baptiste Lamarck. But on that note again, we have a problem because sometimes you realize that learners confuse uh, the two. I want you to write something down. Just write Charles Darwin and also write Jean Baptiste de Lamarck. Jean Baptiste de Lamarck. So Charles Darwin are two ways. Charles Darwin, two ways, and then his theory is natural selection, also natural selection, two ways. But Jean Baptiste Lamarck is like a sentence, then that's why he also deals with two laws which are in the form of sentences now. I said it's law of use and disuse, and law of inheritance of modified characteristics. The main reason why I, I'm explaining this is that uh, when I was still teaching in a particular school before I went to Texila. There was one learner during trial examination. It is almost five, six years back. During trial examination, uh, the examiner was saying, explain the theory of evolution according to Charles Darwin and Jean-Baptiste Lamarck. Now, the very same learner explained everything under Charles Darwin, but he said something about law of use and disuse. And when you check, I realized that no, everything that he has written is correct, but the challenge is he got zero. And when you talk about Jean-Baptiste Lamarck, he wrote everything under Charles Darwin, that is natural selection. So when I was checking, I realized that this learner is going to, I mean, she got zero, and whereas he know almost everything. I started to realize that, no, sometimes we take it for granted to say learners are going to get everything, but when they are exposed to exam, they start to be uh, shaking to a, certain pan, to a certain extent that they end up confusing the truth. So now, when we talk about Charles Darwin, two ways, deals with natural selection. But Jean Baptiste Lamarck, like a sentence, it deals with two sentences, law of use and disuse and law of inheritance of modified characteristics.
Now, the other topic that you need to know is about evidence for evolution. Evidence for evolution? Then here, scientists came up with various evidence to support the theory of evolution. For your syllabus, uh, our attention is going to be focused only on four points. The first one is the fossil record. You need to jot it down, the fossil record. That is the first point of evidence for evolution. Then the second one is biogeography. The third one is homologous structure. The fourth one is genetics. These are the four main parts, and then according to your, 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 your syllabus. Now, in the past, these fossil records, in, in fact, the fossil records, it's about paleontology. Remember, paleontology is the study of fossils. Now, what is happening under fossil records? Uh, fossil, fossils are remains of the ancient life forms preserved usually in, in rocks because when you check fossils, it is derived from Latin word fossilis, and fossilis meaning something dug up. So maybe in the interest of time, let me just summarize what is all about fossil records. So scientists are able to determine the age of fossils by using two types of methods. The other one is called the relative dating. Then the other one is called the radiometric dating. Then in relative dating, we can tell whether a, a, a particular fossil was formed before or after another fossils. That's why we call it the relative dating. We are also able to use the phylogenetic tree to see the relationship amongst different organisms. This is all about the fossil records. Remember I said this is evidence for evolution. Now, the biogeography, <coughs> this one is about the study of the past and present distribution of individual species. So in other words, yeah, normally the closer related species tend to be found in the same geographic region. Normally, this one, we've got a certain catchphrase, an English catchphrase who says, base of same feathers flock together. If you, you take it from that point, or base of same feathers flock together, you can also be able to relate well with regard to this biogeography because number one, I said, is the study of the past and the present distribution of individual species. But number two, which I said is related to what I've just outlined, it says closely related species tend to be found in the same geographic region. Then the other one is about homologous structure. I remember homo means the same. In the past it was under a, uh, anatomy. And atomy, anatomy is dealing with the structure. It's other homologous structure and also analogous structure. So, but now the, what you are going to write, you are going to write it according to uh, your exam guideline where they talk about only homologous structure. Then when we come back from break, uh, I'll be explaining something based on homologous structure and also genetics. And then from there, we're also going to continue with sources of variation. And I'm also going to explain something about punctuated equilibrium and also speciation and uh, reproductive of isolation mechanism. For now, we're going for a break. And then when we come back, 
we're going to continue. The Limpopo Department of Education believes that education is the key to overcoming poverty. As a result, we have partnered with Capricorn FM to bring radio lessons to all grade 12 learners in Limpopo. Starting on Monday, 17 August, tune in and catch expert teachers as they present live lessons for an hour. From Monday to Friday between 5 and 6 p.m. on Just Drive and again on Saturday and Sunday evenings between 6 and 7 p.m. on the Royal Movement and the Afterglow respectively. Limpopo Department of Education Working together, we can do more, providing quality education. Thanks so much. Thanks. Remember, I was still talking about the evidence for evolution. I said we've got four main points. Initially, I discussed something based on the fossil records, or which is called paleontology, and also biogeography. And then now we will continue with homologous structure. Homologous structure, homo derived from the Greek word, homo meaning the same. So in other words, when you talk about the homologous structures, these are structures, uh, or maybe let me also say something in relation to homologous structure. The other name of homologous structure, sometimes in some books they talk of uh, modification by descent. Modification by descent. Descent, D-E-S-C-E-N-T. Modification, modification by descent. So in other words, it can be defined as the structures that have the same basic plan but perform different functions. I'm also going to give you an example here so that you understand what's happening. Uh, due to the homologous structure, the scientists, when they interpret this, they say all organisms that have this type of uh, structures, uh, they originated from the common ancestor. Uh, they also gave an example of the four limb of a horse, a mole, a bat, and also seal. So... I'm sure in grade 10 you still remember you discussed something about the four limb, that it has got the ulna, the radius, and the humerus. So meaning that when they talk about the four limbs of all these organisms that I've just outlined, you realize that the host, the four limb of the host has got ulna, radius, humerus. The four limb of a mole has got ulna, radius, humerus. The four limb of a bed or any type of bed, it, it also has the uh, ulna, radius, humerus. The four limb of seal also has the ulna radius and numerous. According to this, they're saying they have got the same basic plan, but their functions are different. That's why we say homologous structures have the same basic plan, but perform different functions. Let me also give you an example with regard to different functions. The four limb of a horse, for argument's sake, it's for walking, but the four limb of a mole is for digging. The four limb of, uh, of seals is uh, for swimming, Whereas the four limb of a bed, I mean of a bed or a, any type of bed is for flying. So when you check these functions, there are different functions, but they've got the same basic plan. Now the other one is genetics, as point number four, which is also regarded as molecular biology and genetics. And then in the past, when we started with the whole chapter of evolution, 2008, 9, 10, 11, and 12, we were supposed to write what we call comparative biochemistry. It is also called comparative biochemistry or molecular biology and genetics or just genetics. So with regard to genetics, these scientists, they're saying all life forms are related because they have, number one, identical DNA structure. I'm sure you still remember what we discussed in the past about the DNA structure. And then uh, they also have the identical protein synthesis. They also have... Uh, similar protein 
they also have similar respiratory pathways. They also have the similar sequence of genes and also similar portion of DNA with no function. So let me repeat what I said. I said uh, the scientists to prove that indeed this is one of the evidence for evolution to indicate that we are coming from common ancestors. They are saying all life forms are related because they have identical DNA structure. Maybe for argument's sake, if maybe we are talking about the orangutan or gorilla or whatever, the DNA structure that's found in the gorilla and the DNA structure that's found in a human being or whatever, you realize that they're just the same. So according to them, they're saying the fact that these DNA structures are, we've got identical DNA structure, identical protein synthesis, similar protein, similar respiratory pathways, similar sequence of genes, and similar portion of DNA with no function. The fact that we have this, and they are common, obviously, we are coming, coming from common ancestors. So now, another subtopic that you are supposed to take into cognizance is about the sources of variation. Sources of variation. It was said during trial examination. What is interesting with regard to, to, to evolution is that they said almost everything because I said it's 66 marks. And it's simple and straightforward. They don't even hide or, or maybe uh, try to play a certain game with regard to how questions are set. They normally set them in a simpler way. And then here you need to know sources of variation. We've got five points under sources of variation. The first one is mutation. Then the second one is a random mating. The third one is a random fertilization of gummies. The fourth one is crossing over. And then the other one is a random arrangement of chromosomes. Remember crossing over and random arrangement of chromosomes they also fall under meiosis because if examiner says explain meiosis as sources of variation, it's now our questions are going to be asked now. Explain meiosis as sources of variation, as, as one source of variation. So now you are going to say under meiosis you have to, you, you must start by explaining or outlining crossing over. Number two, random arrangement of chromosomes. Then you get marks for that. And then from there you are also going to explain something based on crossing over and something based on random arrangement of chromosomes. But now, if examiner just say names of variation, maybe for argument's sake, they say five, you are just going to outline them like that. Mutation, number two, random mating, number three, random fertilization of gummies, number four, crossing over, number five, random arrangement of chromosomes. So now sometimes examiner is going to request you to explain this because during trial examination, they wanted learners to, 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 to explain sources of variation. In other words, you were supposed to name them first, and then after naming them, you were supposed to explain. So now I'm sure you remember last time when I was presenting here, I talked about mutation under genetics. We said mutation is a change in the, or sudden change in the structure of a gene or a chromosome. And I discussed a lot of things based on the gene and also chromosome. But now you need to check the following. Changing the structure of a gene is going to lead to changing the structure of a genotype. Remember gene and genotype. So now if the genotype, remember the genotype informs the phenotype. So now a change in the structure of genotype or a change genotype is going to lead to different phenotypes now. 
So this is all about mutation because, in fact, we are just supposed to outline as long as we have mutation and also outline it like that in the form of description, then you are going to get three marks, one mark for mutation and then two marks for explanation. The other one is a random mating. So with regard to this one, if individuals mate randomly and fertilization uh, end up taking place, different gene combinations are formed. Uh, which increases the variation in species. Let me repeat what I said. I said under random mating, if individuals mate randomly and fertilization end up taking place or occurs or occurring, then obviously the different gene combinations are formed, which increases variation in species. So the third one is random fertilization of gametes. Uh, sperm cells and egg cells that are produced, obviously you know that they are very different from each other. Now, what is the implication with regard to this one now? So, since the, there's a random fertilization of different gametes, there will be different combination of genetic materials in that particular offspring, or in the, in the offspring. Let me repeat, I said sperm cells and egg cells that are produced are different from each other. Since there is a random fertilization of different gametes, there will be different combination of genetic materials in the offspring. And then the fourth one is crossing over. I'm sure you still remember that uh, with crossing over, you are going to say homologous chromosomes lie next to each other and then the chromatids overlap. Then that point of overlapping, I'm sure you still remember that it is called the chiasma. And then in a way that exchanges genetic material and ultimately uh, we end up having uh, gummies that have been that are different from each other but now the most important thing that I want to bring forth with regard to this one you are only going to concentrate on two main aspects I'm just going to say during anaphase 1 remember crossing over takes place during anaphase 1 the chromatids of homologous chromosomes they overlap or they cross over and then as they cross over they exchange genetic material and then now the gummies formed at the end of meiosis will therefore be different from each other. Remember, we're talking about sources of variation. What causes variation now? It can be caused by crossing over. And then the other one is random arrangement of chromosomes. Random arrangement of chromosomes along equator. So now, in this, with regard to this one, in fact, you are going to say it like this. Number one, you need to know that matter means middle. So now we are going to talk about chromosomes alone equator. So I was telling my students to say, for you to be able to recall this, number one, you are going to write this formula. I want you to write this formula again. Just write one is two. One is two. And then two is two. One. So if they are talking about metaphase one, remember I said one is two. If it is metaphase one, then the chromosomes alone equator, they are going to be two, 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 on the left hand side, two on the left, the right hand side. Now we're going to talk about homologous. Remember, one meaning the same. The other one, remember, is going to come in from. It comes from the mother. The other one from the father. And if you realize that on the left hand side, the other one, the two chromosomes are of the same size. Then we're going to talk about homologous because one meaning the same. And on the right hand side, you realize the other one coming from the mother, the other one from the father. Maybe they are also of the same size. Now we say chromosomes are arranged in homologous space along equator. And then, but I said two, one, two, 
one is two and then twist one now during metaphase two obviously single chromosomes are going to be arranged along equator in other words we're going to have one chromosome on the left hand side then the other one on the right hand side i just wanted to highlight this so that when you do revision of meiosis you need to know what is happening but now specifically with regard to this type of question you are going to say during metaphase one remember the topic is, is about a random arrangement of chromosomes it was also said like i indicated during trial examination you are going to say homologous chromosomes during metaphase one, you must tell us about during metaphase one and also during metaphase two. Now, what happens? So, during metaphase one, homologous chromosomes arrange themselves randomly along equator. They arrange themselves themselves randomly along equator. As a result, the chromosomes move to poles in different combinations. As a result, the chromosomes move to poles in different combinations. But during metaphase two, remember I said twist one. During metaphase two, single chromosomes arrange themselves randomly at equator. Single chromosomes arrange themselves randomly at equator. As a result, during anaphase two, chromatids move to the poles in different combinations. Now, the mistakes that normally are committed by learners here, they lose marks unnecessarily. Number one, they simply say during metaphase one, chromosomes are arranged along equator randomly. Instead of getting two marks, they get one mark because you need to tell us about these chromosomes, whether they are arranged in homologous pair or they are single chromosomes that are arranged along equator. So you need to be, to specify. So please make it a point that you specify. Hence, I said during metaphase one, you are going to use this formula one is to two or two is to one. If it is about during metaphase one, then you are going to say homologous chromosomes arrange themselves randomly along equator. But if it's during metaphase two, now it's twist one, you are going to say single chromosomes are arranged randomly along equator. And then as a result, during anaphase two, the chromatism moved to, um, to, to poles in different combinations. But the other one is called punctuated equilibrium. Punctuated equilibrium. Then with punctuated equilibrium, uh, let me also explain what is punctuated equilibrium. This one explains the speed at which evolution takes place. And then I want you to check something. Equilibrium from the word equal, meaning that something's going to be the same. So before you explain the whole chapter of punctuated equilibrium or the whole topic of punctuated equilibrium, you need to ask, to ask yourself, now, what is it that is going to remain equal here? So now, according to punctuated equilibrium, number one, the point that we are supposed to write, the first point here, you are going to say evolution is not gradual as proposed by Darwinism. Remember, Darwin says evolution takes place over a long period of time, and then and it, it takes place gradually like that. But now, the first statement that you're supposed to write down here, you're going to say, evolution is not gradual, as proposed by Darwinism. That's the first point. Then now, we're going to check something about equilibrium. You're going to say, evolution involves long period of time, where species do not change, and then... This is what we call equilibrium now. Evolution involves long period of time where species do not change. Remember, if they do not change, we are talking about equilibrium now. Now, this is punctuated by short period of time where rapid change occurs through natural selection. This is punctuated by short periods of time where rapid change 
orchestral natural oscillation. So immediately say this is punctuated by, remember we're talking about punctuated equilibrium. Uh, immediately say this is punctuated by short period of time, you get a mark. Where rapid change occurs, you also get a mark. Through natural oscillation, you are also going to get a mark. As a result, what is going to happen now? As a result, new species are formed in a short period of time. As a result, new species are formed in a short period of time. You are also going to get a mark for that. Relative to long period of time of no change or very little change. This is supported by, you are also going to highlight this to say this is supported by the absence of transitional fossils. You are also going to uh, explain that to say this is supported by the absence of transitional fossils. We are also going to get a mark for that. Remember, transitional fossils are, are also regarded as the missing links indicate the period of the rapid change. Then the other one is speciation. Remember, speciation is about the formation of new species from the existing ones. Now, like I was explaining something based on natural oscillation, with speciation also, you are going to... I'm going to give you the statement, then we are going to ask ourselves question based on the first statement, then we are going to write the second point, then from there, the second point, we're going to ask ourselves a question based on the second statement and so on and so on. It's very simple. You'll see as, as, as I, I, I'll be explaining this one. Remember, we said this formation of new species from the existing ones. Then number one, because we're dealing with allopatric speciation. Allopatric derived from Greek word allos, meaning different homelands. Now, when you deal with allopatric speciation, obviously, there's a barrier now. You're going to say the population becomes separated into two immediately say the population becomes separated, you get a mark. And then we must also tell us that it's separated by a geographical barrier, geographical barrier. They may give you an example of mountain, river, and so on and so on. But if you have been given a particular scenario, like during trial examination, they were talking about the Panama or the strip land, the narrow strip of land. So you need to specify because that mark is going to be regarded as a compulsory mark. So don't just generalize to say it's separated through by geographical barrier, e.g. mountain, river. You need to specify if they said the, this population has been divided into two by Panama or narrow strip of land. You need to say narrow strip of land. You need to specify then you're going to get that compulsory mark. So number one is say this population becomes separated into two by a geographical barrier. Already you've got two marks. Now obviously if they're separated into two by geographical barrier, there is no interbreeding between the two populations now. Why? Because there is a barrier. Now, if there is no interbreeding, there is also no gene flow between the two populations. Don't just write there is no gene flow because this, the other side are going to have gene flow, the other side are going to have the flow of genes. But you need to talk about no gene flow between the two subpopulations. Now, since the two subpopulations are exposed to two different environmental conditions now, and then ultimately what's going to happen is that natural selection is going to occur independently. Natural selection occurs independently in each of the two populations, such that the two populations become different now, genotypically and phenotypically. Remember I said the genotype informs the phenotype. So the two populations become different genotypically and phenotypically. So even if the two populations were to mix again, they will not be able to interbreed with each other. And then we therefore say one or both parts of the population have become new species. During trial examination, they also ask something based on this to say, what is the significance of 
uh, uh, speciation with regard to biodiversity. So it was very simple just to say it increased biodiversity. I get it when we started, we started with, when we started here, we started with single population, but now we've got two populations. Obviously, the biodiversity has increased. So you simply say it increases biodiversity, then you get two marks. Now, uh, the other one is mechanism of reproduction isolation or reproduction isolation mechanism. Uh, these are the factors or barriers that prevent uh, two species from producing viable or fertile offspring. So I'm just going to outline them and also discuss them uh, peripherally. So number one, it is breeding at different times of the year. Breeding at different times of the year. So yeah, if two species breed at different seasons of the year, obviously their chances of producing a viable offspring, which is fertile, are, are reduced. Then the other one is adaptation to different pollinating agents. Adaptation to different pollinating agents. In Cretanum, so you discuss something about wind pollinating agents and so on and so on, uh, and insect pollinating agents and water pollinating agents. So now let us check what's going to happen. Then cross-pollination between closely related species of plant may be prevented if they have different appearances. And this would mean that they are going to be attracted to different pollinating agents. I'm sure you still remember we've got wind as one of the pollinating agents and insects and so on and so on. The other one is called species-specific courtship behavior. Species-specific courtship behavior. Then in this one, uh, if uh, closely related organisms have different behaviors such that they don't attract each other. Obviously, such kinds of organisms are not going to reproduce with each other you realize that they've got different behaviors. And then, uh, obviously, if those two behaviors are not, the other behavior is not going to attract the other, or the behavior of the other organism, obviously, they're not going to reproduce with each other. Now, the other one is prevention of fertilization. Uh, this one, in some closely related individuals, uh, if some closely related individuals have different copulatory organs, such that the male organ maybe doesn't fit into the female reproductive organ, or else the sperm won't be released and it won't be transferred into the female. And then as a result, fertilization will not take place. Then the last one is the infertile offspring. And then with regard to infertile offspring, here some closely related species, such as a horse, I'm sure you know that a horse and a donkey, they are closely related. And then if they mate, they end up producing a mule. And remember, this mule is infertile. So this offspring, like mule, are not even able to reproduce. Hence, we say they are infertile. So the last one is about uh, evolution in present times. And then uh, this one is about the comparison. I mean, it's, it's about natural selection again. Because there's a perception that evolution occurred only in the past and that it occurs over a long period of time. That perception is counteracted by the new perception, which says evolution is happening right now and that it can be, it can take place within a short period of time, e.g. the development of resistance of uh, insecticide in insects uh, and also mosquitoes produce larger number of spring. There's a great deal of variation among these mosquitoes. So we are going to explain it from that perspective because it's part of natural selection. So... The other part that you are supposed to study, you will also make it a point that you check the difference between 
natural selection and artificial selection, which we are going to discuss next time when, when we meet. Before we start with uh, human evolution, I'm also going to outline that. So uh, for now, we are going to finish almost everything and then up until we, we meet next time on the 6th of November. Thank you, Baba. This grade 12 lesson was proudly brought to you by the Department of Education in partnership with Capricorn FM. Working together, we can do more, providing quality education. That was a Capricorn FM podcast. For more podcasts, visit capricornfm.co.za.